everyone. Welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast, brought to you by Tumi, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. To achieve the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement, climate emissions in the transport sector must be reduced drastically at the individual level. The key element is changing our mobility behavior. Rethinking the way each of us moves and which modes of transport we choose can have a significant impact to make the mobility sector more sustainable and above all, more just for all members in our society. To achieve a cleaner transport sector, measures on better designed cities, safe and comfortable walking, cycling facilities, and more public transport need to be combined with more efficient road fleets, including electric vehicles. In today's episode, my Tumi colleague Lena is interviewing Elena Kornetka, Political Communications Officer at GLS Mobilität, or GLS Mobility in English. GLS Mobilität is part of the GLS Bank, the first sustainable bank in Germany. The bank finances sustainable projects and companies, for example, in the field of renewable energies. In the context of the mobility transition, GLS Mobilität acts as part of the GLS community as an initiator and enabler of future-oriented mobility solutions. In today's podcast, Elena will give us insights on the specific fields of action of GLS Mobilität and in particular talk about their approach to contactless payment at charging stations, GROE. Further, Lena and Elena talked about the bank's mobility management. So let's hear from Elena herself now. Hi, Elena. It is a pleasure to have you today on the podcast. Can you give us an insight into the work of GLS Mobilität? What are the bank's activities in the area of transport and what role does sustainable mobility play in these activities? Hi, Lena. Thanks for having me. And sure, so I work at GLS Mobilität, which is technically, if you translate it to English, it's not really mobility, but rather transport, I guess. So we strive to build charging infrastructure. Um, with our product, GiroE, we now um, have over 3.5,000 charging points in Germany with over 160 charge point operators. So we have GiroE, which is a product that enables um, contactless payment at the charging points. So you don't need an app or an RFID token or whatever barrier there could be when you want to discharge your car. <laughs> you can just use your the card you have anyways. That's what we do on the market. And we're actually growing 1.5 times faster than the market right now, which was news that we just recently got and uh, celebrated. <laughs> so that's it What um, on the sales side. And then also we are supporting the revolution of transport. Um, last year, we published our political position, which is available on our website, based on the view of the future that we defined. Um, and this view is based on the qualities, connectivity, accessibility, participation, and modularity. So those are the qualities that are important to us. Um, the political position that we wrote uh, 
for example, contains that we demand a cut of the amount of cars of about 50%, as well as abolishing different tax regulations that right now still exist and promote driving cars with a combustion engine and much more things. Thank you, Elena. Could you maybe explain for us and, and for the audience uh, in more detail what exactly GOE is? What you, you already touched on the advantages, but maybe you could elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, so GROE is our payment system for charging infrastructure. So if you want to build up charging infrastructure or you already have some, you can um, attach our product. It's It contains the the hardware. So you're at the charging point and you want to charge and you just use your Giro card and You can just charge, like I said, without having to, I don't know, I have to download an app and then register and stuff. So it allows the person who charges the car to pay using only this card. And as well, you have a software where if, let's say, you have a company and you want to enable your workers to pay at the company, as well as foreigners, you can design your own price models within this software. So you can design different uh, discounts and you can also equip your workers so that if they want to charge their let's say you you're the the perfect company and you have an e-fleet you can enable your workers to charge at home and when they use their own electricity You can say, okay, you use your own electricity, but I see in my software I see how much you used and how much you charge your car and then I pay you back in your paycheck. So you can motivate people to use an e-car instead of, I don't know, falling for the tax regulations Germany has that promotes getting what they say Dienstwagen, which is the, the classic word, which um, means that you get a car from your company. And then you have all these tax benefits if you have this car. So you can rather use this Giro E product to say, this is my incentive. Uh, if you have to drive a car, then use an, an electric car and charge at home, charge at work, and it's almost free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really cool. Thank you for, for the explanation. What you also do is refer to the product as like a feminist product. And I was wondering if you could briefly explain to us why that is the case and what is, when we are looking through a gender lens, something that we really have to consider in, in the deployment and, of course, the operation of charging infrastructure. Okay, so feminism to me or intersectional feminism means equal opportunity for anybody, which is should be discrimination-free. And, um, okay, so as a disclaimer, first of all, I, I do not believe in the strict separation bet between men and women, more so I do know that there are other genders as well. And uh, so when I talk about women, I mean people who identify as women or that fulfill the um, quote-unquote typically characteristics that research defined as such. Um, but by no means I say that men couldn't face the same discriminations. So just as a disclaimer before. Um, so yeah, when I started digging into the rabbit hole of feminism and discrimination and mobility, I was shocked to see how 
men-centered infrastructure is built. Not only are cities planned in order to feed mainly the men's needs with connecting work and home, if we assume that people live by the, in my opinion, pretty ancient model of men working more than women, well, that's technically still a huge deal, but I think that would go a bit too far now. Um, so cities uh, are planned without taking into consideration that people who do the care work normally have very different moving patterns than just going from A to B, but rather circular, connected routes. Say I take the kids to school, I go get groceries, I hit the gym or whatever, I meet a friend. So it's not I go there and I go back home, but rather like circular or like star-shaped patterns. Um, and research says that this is a female way of moving around. So more women have these typical patterns. So, And then I haven't even mentioned all the problems women face when they just move around a city. Like, I think I don't know one woman who has never taken, taken the longer way in order to not walk through a dangerous area at night or daytime. And there's an unbelievable amount of discrimination and harassment that women unfortunately still face on a day-to-day -day basis. Also... <laughs> I don't know if this goes too far, but cars are tested with dummies that do not represent female bodies. So women are actually 70% more likely to end up injured in car accidents. Um, so I think all this shows or showed me that dem the demands are just very different. And it, it shows too in the usage of transport that women have, for example, it's Women don't just like take the car, whatever they do, but it's more what kind of transport do I need in the situation I face now? So, you know, there's multi, like a huge amount of um, things you can, you can walk to places, you take the bus and then you walk a bit, you can take the bike, etc. And this kind of usage of transport is actually the, the way that also serves the climate if you don't just go car-centered and just, I take my car no matter what. So all those information showed that in the end, if we try to build an inclusive mobility, it's actually the one that that's good for the climate as well. I took a seminar in uh, that, that was called Women in Mobility. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they said that The gender-friendly mobility should be affordable, effective, attractive, sustainable, and inclusive. And I think that's pretty much what we try to reach. And where Giro E comes in now, is, um, I, I, I do believe that it removes barriers and it's, it's easy, it's fast. So I don't know, I imagine someone who's in a rush connecting routes and just then... I, Then I want to. I have to charge my car quickly, and then I see, damn! Now I have to, like, I don't know, download an app, or I don't have the card, or I don't have a credit card, so I can't do this, do that. Yeah, so it removes barriers, and um, I don't know. I think it's just important that all kinds of mobility are, like I said, affordable, also uh, ob obtainable. Like you, that everyone's, everyone should should have the same rights and the same the same requirements to use the the mobility they need in the certain moment
Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much for touching on that. Um, I really do think that transport is not gender neutral. So thank you so much for really explaining us to, um, to why this is the case. What do we have to consider? I was wondering now that you um, explained to us more about really like accessible charging infrastructure. But when it comes to the deployment and the operation of charging infrastructure, could you maybe touch a little bit more on, on facts that maybe make those services more accessible for women? Or what are constraints that they, that they have um, regarding charging infrastructure? Um, so I think the biggest problem right now is that there's not enough and not enough charging points and sometimes they're not in the right places. I think most importantly is that we that we think it's not like if the, the perfect world, there's almost no more cars and the ones that are there are electric. Concept of gas stations, I think, is a bit old because you don't really go anywhere and charge the car for, I don't know, an hour or two. And then you're there and imagine you're, I don't know, you're a person that could face discrimination or, I don't know, it's just dangerous, different dangers at night. And then you have to stand somewhere and charge a car. I don't think that's something, I don't think that's realistic. So I think it's very important that you either can just charge your car when you're at home or when say you you're at the supermarket or you're at the swimming pool just stuff where your car is standing around anyways statistically a car actually is parked 23 hours of the day so um i don't think that's i don't think that everyone's aware of that when they think oh an e i can't have an e car because i always have to go from there from a to b every day and uh they act like their car their car would never be parked anywhere um yeah so i think a massive increase of the amount of charging points in smart places is very necessary in order to make electric mobility more attractive but yeah i yeah i have to say though that Increasing the amount of e-cars is not at all what we what we want and what we think is important for the climate. Just to, to make that point clear. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, of course. Like e-mobility is like a big pillar of the mobility transition, but also yeah. we have to really focus on active mobility or public transport systems, right? To really, um, yeah, yeah, well, help in that in that process of the transformation. Uh, thank you so much for your insights. I was also reading that the GLS Bank is, well, I mean, generally you are providing information about sustainable mobility options. And I was wondering how the mobility of employees um, is really addressed um, at GLS. Yeah, that's an, um, a great topic. I think I work very closely with the, uh, our responsible person in that field, in the bank. Um, she's the one who coordinates all the different offers that we have. So, for example, the, the tickets for public transportation or a bike lease and so on. So um, just right now, in the midst of planning a little campaign to inform all workers about the resources the bank offers and how to use these products. Because there is variety of products, but I think... 
we re we realize that not all of the workers know about it or they don't necessarily know how to use the certain products. So talking about those products, we can do a bike lease, which is pretty common, I think, in Germany. Then we have charging points at the bank as well as a fully electrified e-fleet that we can book via an app. So it's it's almost like a car sharing system. There's a bike hub at the bank for these city bikes that you can rent in almost any bigger city. And it's right in front of the bank. Uh, we have several electric bikes that people can rent also through the same app that we use for the cars. And then also for those who want to run or take their own bike or road bike to work, uh, we have showers and dressing rooms in the bank. Yeah, and then there's a whole other topic where there's rules on how to um, how to travel for work reasons. So the bank does not support flights inside of Germany at all, for example. And everyone has the opportunity to work remotely. Actually, the bank is in Bochum. And I live in Bielefeld for, for people who, I don't know, know Germany. Um, so I, I'm almost, I'm there, I'm there, I say, let's say once a month. What's the, yeah. what's the distance between Bochum and Bielefeld? Just for our audience that maybe does not know where exactly that is in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bielefeld is, um, I think, 150 kilometers away from Bochum. Ah, okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this whole topic on remote work is also uh, a huge factor that saves a lot of CO2. This is quarterly reported in the bank where we collect data on how the bank is saving emissions. By collecting this data on a regular basis, we can also spot pretty soon if we see there's room for improvement. So it's an ongoing process. But I think from what I hear from other companies I think the bank is doing quite a lot to reduce emissions. This reduction in emissions is, is even anchored in the sustainability goals that the bank has. So yeah, I think it's there's a huge importance on this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you for um, explaining to us all those those options that there are. They are quite <laughs> quite a lot, actually. I was wondering just now that you talked about it, did you have data on like maybe the model split of how how the employees of the bank come there to the office or is this data that's collected or not? Yeah, we do a questionnaire once a year where they ask people how they um, get to the bank, what, kind, what means of transport they use, if they have their own car, if they use their fleet, if they take the bike. Thanks. Wow, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Elena, thank you so much for talking us through the different products and options or mobility options that there are at the GLS Bank. It was a pleasure talking to you about it. And yeah, great. Thank you for taking your time. If you have any more questions for Elena and her team, we will link the contact info in our um, description of the podcast. So of course, feel free to reach out to her and the whole team at GLS Bank. Elena, thank you so much. Thanks, Lena. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. It was, a, was fun. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to listeners if anyone's interested in talking to me. <laughs> And yeah, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Elena, for sharing the interesting insights with us. 
I believe we now have a better understanding of the work of GLS Mobilität and how you contribute to saving emissions in the transport sector. For example, by making EV charging stations more seamless and comfortable for everyone or by focusing on active mobility in your own mobility management. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Many thanks for tuning in and we hope to hear you next time.